0: Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we are joined by Justin Lee. He's an assistant professor of social work at Weber State University, along with Darren Carver, who's the associate clinic director, clinical director at Weber Human Services. That's just north of uh, Salt Lake in uh, Weber County. And I need to kind of set this up. So, I'm on my morning commute uh, a couple of days ago, and I saw a lady who you, was. You
1: need to say that you're writing public transportation.
0: Because uh, well, my right. morning I, commute I'm, is much different. That's it. I am yeah. on, I'm on a train. I guess I was going to get to that. I was yeah. gonna, I'm on uh, light rail tracks. Uh, if you're in Chicago, it's the L. If you're in New York, it's the subway. So, um, or the tube, if you happen to be in London. So <laughs> my point, though, is I'm on the train. There's a lady, uh, late uh, 20s, early 30s, fairly attractive woman, actually, who was, I, I want to note that other than what I'm about to tell you about her, she looked pretty normal. But she was having what was obviously a manic episode. And by that is, she is talking to herself rather loudly, and she is nervously pacing up and down the train car uh, just constantly. I mean, she would go to her uh, back to her seat. She'd stand there. She'd put stuff in a bag. She'd take off her jacket, put it back on, you know, and she's just doing all of this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what exactly is going on with her. However, uh. Being in the environment we're in here, uh in Utah, that can be kind of upsetting to people. I'm from Chicago. Been watching that for 40, 50 years. I saw the first person I saw talking to themselves when I was in, uh like, junior high school, right? So that's, it's not a thing. But she particularly was, just because she was so high manic, I I was concerned about her. So... I think to myself, what I don't want to do is call the police because I've seen too many instances where they're, they're trained to, to stop crime or, or intervene in that way and, and co- uh, conflict resolution, not necessarily what they're uh, you know, trained to do. So I don't want to put them in a bad situation. I certainly don't want anything to escalate to have this lady get hurt. So I call what is which in Utah is a way to find social services. It's a great uh, tool uh, that I, I hope catches on like 9 has for emergencies. But when I call, I'm disappointed to find that they don't have anything set up to deal with situations like this. Now, I don't know what happened to this woman because eventually she got off of the train. But if if you would have seen her, you would know that she was not right and that potentially something could escalate when she got next to somebody or, you know, God forbid, uh, she came in contact with a uh, police officer on the transit or somewhere else, or
1: just someone who didn't recognize it as a, as mental, an, health as issue. a mental health issue. Yeah. Right?
0: Uh, it it could be bad. So what I wanted to do was talk to some folks who understand these kinds of situations and find out how in communities because this is happening everywhere in America and 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 around the world because mental health. To at least, as I've become an adult, has become more mainstream that we know a little bit more about it. But we're we, talking
1: about it. It's always been here. We we're just talking, about been talking about it. We're talking
0: about it. What we're doing about it is what I want to yeah. try to get to. Yeah. So I am going as I sit here and and, and face Professor Lee. I want to say so, um, Justin, knowing and we we talked about this a little bit offline yesterday. What what do we what do you do in a situation like that, and and what can be done to help those kind of folks?
2: Yeah. I've been thinking about it quite a bit since we since we had that conversation. And uh um and I'd be really interested to hear Darren's take too. Uh I'm yeah. I'm a little bit removed. I have a private practice that's small that I work with folks, you know, individually and mm-hmm. and there are certainly people who are in the community that may that may be able to talk a little bit more about that. But I the thing that came to mind, uh, the thing that I kept coming back to was um you know, when people when people um see that uh, people can feel unnerved. People can, you know, question what's going on, but um, I think it's important to recognize that this person isn't necessarily asking for help or support in that moment. And I think it's okay to give people some space uh, to to be experiencing whatever they're whatever they're going through. It's okay, like it's okay to to let them have their self self determination, their space. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that moment, there are other situations where you definitely should speak up and say
0: something. Uh, and maybe we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to switch to you. So, Darren, in that situation, obviously, I didn't do anything. I mean, I didn't intervene, intervene. But I, I, still, I still believe and I, I stand by this, having been a uh, you know, witness to it, that there are times when somebody might have been able to help her kind of uh, work her way through the situation that she was going through.
3: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I and I appreciate what Justin's saying, and and uh, there are times when um, it's it's difficult to distinguish. You 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 know enough to recognize that you you use the phrase a manic response, and or, or she was in a manic phase, and and I think that uh, um, you know people don't always recognize that it is something happening from a mental health crisis standpoint you you clearly did and wh- what you said that I think is is really important is this cuts across all classes races ethnicities we sometimes have a I think a preconceived idea about who experiences these kinds of things and and uh, you know it's there isn't any type of person, this can happen to to anyone. Uh, Physical health problems can happen to anyone, behavioral health problems can happen to anyone. And I would say in that situation, um, if she's not presenting as a threat to anyone, she's not yelling at somebody or threatening, it's absolutely okay to say, um, can I do anything for you? Can I help you with something? Can can I call someone for you? And and they may just tell you no. Um, I I do wanna come back to the police situation, but that conversation can lead to something that um, sometimes is productive. And so I think we're afraid to engage. If you notice that she was having a serious health problem, um, I think we tend to act more quickly and we're not afraid to to speak up. But with behavioral health, sometimes I think we're so worried about making it worse. Now, now there are situations where somebody could be threatening, and and definitely we want to be cautious about that. Um, and that leads me back to kind of what you shared about you know do I do I call 911? And and what if the police respond? Will they make it worse? I think we've seen. Lots of things on, uh, on the news about situations where police officers have indeed made some situations worse. But uh, there are a lot of situations we never hear about right. um, where police come in and uh, there, there's a movement nationally called Crisis Intervention Teams. And this is training for police officers in how to respond to mental health crises. I've been involved in that locally I've uh, spent uh, uh, quite a bit of time um, in these week-long trainings with police officers, and it's very hands-on where situations are created, and they have to use the tools that they've been shown to respond to people. So the, the police at times are getting some training, but we'll want to talk at some point, when, when you feel like this is a good time, about mobile crisis outreach teams. These are beginning to happen nationally. They're happening locally for here uh, in uh, us here in Utah, but mobile crisis outreach teams are really what we want to see happen in those situations in the future.
0: We got about a minute to go, so Amy. Let's...
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, I've had a variety of experiences with this, and I'll, I'll talk about one that I have a question about, in, in after we take a break. But uh, in just a, a you know very quickly, Darren, I guess the other question I had is. If you I've actually been threatened in this situation and I have not called police, but I find that if I um, sort of don't look at them in the eye, I mean, like just physically, are there some things you can do at least really get out of the situation really quickly?
3: Yeah, I, I think you've, you've got to be wise that way. And um, yeah, don't try and, uh, um, you know, connect with them in some way when they're threatening, uh, whether it's eye contact or. You know, moving towards the person you you just want to kind of step away, and in those situations nine one one is is yeah. um, the right thing
1: and I do think that, and we maybe we can talk about this after the break, Jason, but I wonder um if we are more educated and we recognize mental health issues. Um, or even there's disability issues. I mean, you have people, I, one of the things I want to talk about is what happened to uh, a friend of mine who's autistic. And mm. um, I wonder if we're more educated when we call for help or when we report something or when we talk about something, then police come into it knowing, or whoever comes, or the mobile crisis, whoever comes in, they come into this really knowing this isn't just a jerk. This is a right. person who is really struggling and needs some help.
0: And needs some help. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion. You're listening to Voices of Reason. about Project Voices of Reason, Amy Donaldson, Jason Lee, speaking today about mental health and how our community can help those who need help when uh, it is appropriate. I had an experience on public transit when I was coming into work uh, earlier this week, and I I saw a person who was having a manic episode, not harming anybody, and and as it turns out, eventually I wasn't able to do anything, but I, I thought to myself, it'd be nice to have somebody who could see if this person was in a situation that could potentially escalate in in a way that would be bad? But again, I'm no expert, so I was not about to intercede, and I'm, I I just didn't want anything bad to happen to this person. So we've been speaking today w- with Justin Lee, who's an assistant professor of social work at Weber State University, along with Darren Carver, who's the associate clinical director at uh, Weber Human Services. So Amy had a, a, a kind of a wanted to start back with what mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. Uh, How do we help?
1: Yeah, I just wondered, like, are there things that we could do? And I don't know, Darren, you want to start. And then, Justin, you can tell us from your perspective. um, What can we do as the public to get if we do call for help, if you do call 911 or you do call 211, you're giving information that is helpful to whoever's going to respond?
3: Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I think it's important to know that there are there's a there's a national crisis line that will connect you to. Um, wherever you are locally, Um, and that's 1-800-273-TALK. So if you were uncertain, you could call that number and have a conversation with somebody who could perhaps walk you through that. Um, The other thing that you can look for in your communities, um, there is something called mental health first aid. You can take a mental health first aid class. Uh, A lot of people don't know about that. Um but uh, that can be a way to really inform yourself about how how to respond. The other thing's important to know is that in July of 2022 um, there will be nationally a new number to call rather than 911 and that's 988. The 988 system is set to come on in July of 2022 and it is specific to, Um, having mobile crisis teams and police respond to a situation fully aware that this is a mental health uh, circumstance. So um, I don't know if I answered your question completely with some of that information, but that's what I can do currently to kind of learn about how to respond to some of these situations.
0: I love that this is coming online. So at least we we know that this situation is being addressed. And, and it's great to know that uh, the proper resources are being put in place to help. I,
2: I think if you uh, – I think also if Just, you do need to call the police, if, you, if there is something threatening going on, that it can be helpful to give as much information as possible. Uh, let, the, if, let the dispatcher know like we, I think this is a mental health issue and get, like reiterate that. That's, that's information that can be really helpful for people
0: coming onto the scene and they may send an ambulance as opposed to – you know, please directly. So. OK, so, Justin, like I was saying before, though, I, uh, is it sort of like if, if you see somebody, I mean, I, I gave as much description as I could yeah. and I tried to make it, uh, you know, obvious that I didn't feel like they were a danger. So are we, are we talking about like, again, if you see somebody hurt someplace, you kind of describe what you can see and then expound as much as you can.
2: Yeah. And it, uh, you don't necessarily have to extrapolate or interpret what's going on. You can describe exactly what's going on. Uh, And, you know, don't you wouldn't necessarily want to guess at if they if they seem dangerous. Just describe what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's and I think it will give people a heads up. I think
1: I was just going to add, I think one thing that people do is they speak from their emotions in the moment. Okay, so I've had I've been I walk around downtown a lot. And I've been yelled at. I had some guy say, I know you're following me. You work for the FBI and I'm going to get you. And so I quickly went in a store. <laughs> but I um, understand that it's not personal, that they're not angry at me. But there does it does elicit some fear. And I just wonder, um, like as I've dealt with it, I've seen it so many times. It's been so common downtown or when we go to parks um, that I've – and and also like we serve meals on holidays as a family, we've ha- we've seen some of that there. Uh, I have learned like if I can sort of keep that fear of mine in check or that that I feel threatened, then it doesn't. Um, which only I the only reason I did was you know I have kids with me and I don't want them to be afraid. Um, I think that anything we do out of that emotional and I I just wondered your thoughts on that the sort of yeah. how people can. <laughs> manage that in the situation
3: yeah go ahead darren i was just going to add you know i think you're bringing up a great point here and that is that and and justin kind of addressed this earlier but um the fact that i'm having mental illness symptoms doesn't necessarily mean that there's a crisis right Mm. and i i think that um defining something where you're concerned enough to say, I think this person may be a, a threat to themselves or others, or the, their behavior is so erratic that they could do something um, that, that might truly injure someone else or threaten someone else. That, it's a hard line to distinguish, but in being around people who are experiencing mental health symptoms, again, I think we interact with them in a in a way that fits the situation you walking away from a person who's yelling at you telling you that you're you've you know you're following them i think is an a, appropriate response and and yet that probably doesn't reach the level of saying gosh somebody ought to call the police right or dial 911 mm-hmm.
2: i think it's also uh, it can be helpful to take that opportunity to talk to whoever you're with too mm-hmm. like if you're if i'm with my kids and i see that i may say I may say something like, oh, it looks like they're, you know, maybe struggling with something mm-hmm. and, and that's OK.
1: Well, and I think that's a hard thing. I remember we had an incident at a Christmas where a guy just decided I was a bad guy. <laughs> I don't know. And and I, I think it happens a lot to women um, because there were not a lot of women in the in the little area that where I was. But um He just fixated on me and like it was it was a little bit of an issue. Um, But the people running the shelter dealt with it. Um, And then I talked to my kids about it who were pretty worried about it. Um, But I said, you know, and their question to me was one that has bothered me since. And that was my youngest daughter said, "Um, why? uh, Why don't we help them like if they're homeless and they have health mental health problems? Why can't we help them? Because if you help them, then maybe you could not be homeless and i think that's maybe been something that's really bothered me is like at what point um not every person with mental health issues is homeless but um what like it seems pretty debilitating in some cases and like how do we do this how what do we what do we need to be doing and lobbying for and hoping for in our public policies
3: right yeah and i think that's the real that's the real issue is we're talking about dealing with with responding to people who are in the, you know, in the depths of this and maybe have been dealing with it for a decade or more. And the real conversation is, when can we detect this much earlier before the person becomes homeless? And then get them a quality of treatment that changes the trajectory of their symptoms so that they don't end up in that situation. And that's the real, I think, place of advocacy. It's not just access to mental health services early, it's access to quality mental health services Mm -hmm. early. And uh, we can throw money at this problem, but without a good plan of delivering treatments that work, um, that have been proven to uh, reduce these kinds of symptoms and change the trajectory of mental illness over the course of time, we're going to continue to see higher and higher levels of these these
0: problems what i want to do is uh, we got less in a minute so we i don't want to start a new topic but i know that there is this circumstance where i hope that we the public can become more educated and informed about how what what we see so rather than having the um the emotional response that become upset we watched it just as if you saw somebody who was injured somehow you would you know pause a little bit, see what can I do to help rather than be upset about the kind of behavior you're watching. Because again, you feel like it's, it's out of sorts. It may be threatening, but if, if, if we can come from it at a, from a point of view as uh, trying to figure out a way to help the situation as a mental health episode, rather than as some, you know, potentially violent uh, interaction, then we, 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 find our way to helping these people in a way that is productive for them and and for our society. We'll continue with our discussion. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason, speaking today about mental health and, and mental illness how our communities, how our society can better understand it and be able to be more proactive in helping mitigate what is becoming, what has always been, and we just, maybe yeah. we, we didn't want to recognize it, I, I don't know, yeah. uh, uh, an issue in our communities. And I, I remember uh, learning back in the 80s when there used to be a, a lot more, apparently, uh, mental health uh, services provided, and then our federal government kind of cut that back. So it's been. A struggle since then to try to, you know, now that more of these people are out among us and we see them, how, how do we learn to deal with that? We have today, we're speaking with uh, Darren Carver. He's the Associate Clinical Director at Weber Human Services. And we also have with us Justin Lee, uh, Associate Professor of Social Work at Weber State University. So... uh Amy has a, a certain circumstance that I, I would like her to kind of describe to us. And, and then when we come back after that, uh, after she finishes telling that story, Darren, I want to uh, get your your take on it. And then obviously as well, uh, you, Justin.
1: Yeah. So from uh, my daughter and her wife are um, fostering, there's a foster program for adults with disabilities. Um, and I think it's like a combination federal state program. And so, and, and uh, my daughter-in-law, Tanya actually worked in the program and this uh, young man needed a new place to live and they got get along great so uh, he lives with them now and he loves to play at the park and they go probably... Th- How old is he? He's 24, okay. um, 6 foot 7 uh, wonderful kid I just, I have just he's delightful and I have enjoyed having him in our lives more than I can say. I thought my kids were crazy. My daughter's you know 27 years old and I thought this is a big responsibility but it has been an absolute gift. I love him. So he loves to play at the park. So they go, I don't know, two, three, and t- sometimes almost every night to play at a nearby park. They have some rules for him about how he can engage with kids because um, he he is not always aware of his physical stature versus, you know, what do you want? He, he loves Legos, you know. So they have some ways to engage uh, in the world, with, and they've talked with him about that, and he has been A+. Plus um the other night uh as it was nearing dark um there were some kids playing and he was playing there as well with them and also by himself and my daughter-in-law had a man walk up to her and say hey do you know do you have kids here on the playground and she said uh uh you know i have i have a friend here what's the matter and he said well this uh guy over here he's you know he's crazy and he's chasing the kids and we've got to do something about him and and she said no he's fine he's just playing he's fine I um, she regrets not saying like he's with me, you know, because she didn't think of it like you don't like I have.
0: I'm shocked that she didn't think of it. Honestly, this this does not make sense to me. But
1: I think in a lot of for a lot of us, like we're not used to confrontation. Like we're journalists. Like we've had a million confrontations. She's
0: with a guy who's six foot seven in a playground. Yeah. She has to know that that is going to raise red flags for her. No,
1: but I think that is that that's sort of my point in bringing this story up is that. There are people who – she's from Australia. This is not – she doesn't think about – like she doesn't think – the first thing that she thinks is, oh, this is weird. And, and one, one of the issues I have had lately is why is there one standard of behavior that we're all trying to adhere to, right? Like why do you have to sit in your seat quietly on the train? Like is that – who decided what the standards of behavior are and why do we have to be, quote, unquote, normal? Because I see how much our lives have been enriched by at Austin and the way he sees the world and the way he interacts that I'm like, well, you know, I don't know that normal should be this. You're like, I understand. But anyway, this guy threatened him. He told him, he told the kids on the playground not to play with them. And I'm sure he thought like you did. This is weird. There's this guy at the playground, it's whatever. Not that
0: I thought it's weird. It's just that I but realized you would, if you
1: that. walked up, you would think it's weird, you know? So, but she did not recognize that this is a situation that would alarm a father. She did not recognize that. And I it's a lesson to me in like how we've been indoctrinated about what's okay and what's not okay. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on like that. I I really think if we interacted with people in general, more open mindedly and kind, that we might really have a different experience with the world. But that's just my two cents.
2: Yeah, it it makes me just it makes me think of, you know, the way that we approach the world is we tend to see things as a threat and define things as, you know, within our within our sphere of control or what's predictable and and what's without. And I think mental health, a mental health crisis or a mental health, you know, diagnosis or Mm -hmm. a mental illness that we or neurodivergent
1: issues. Right. Like which are often mistaken for mental health issues. And they're not. They're just neurodivergent.
2: Yeah, and I do think it's I do think it makes life really interesting. But we have to be able to to be curious. We have to be able to say, well, what? So what's going on? Like, is there anything inappropriate going on? Is there anything like start from a a position of being curious and ask some of those questions and observe. Hi,
1: who are you here with?
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I
1: mean, why is it? I I, I think that we've become a condition to this idea that like, you can't be at a park if you don't have a kid playing. You yeah. know, I don't know, but maybe that's a good. I don't know. What What are, what are your thoughts, Darren?
3: No, I, I like what Justin said about being curious. And, you know, we're talking about uh, sometimes developmental issues versus, um, you know, um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a difference, and, and that curiosity can help. I think the situation um, that was talked about earlier about this woman on the train, mm-hmm. most mental health symptoms are, you know, unpleasant. And they create mm-hmm. in us a sense of distress. And and uh, so if it's not just that their behavior is somehow um, out of compliance with what we would expect on a train. It's that you can sense and see the distress that this person's in. And, again, I just, uh, I think the idea of saying, you know, it seems like you're going through a difficult time. Can I do something to help you? Is um is okay when you see that person in distress from their mental health symptoms.
1: What do you do? So Jason gave an example where the woman was basically not hurting or bothering anyone um or herself, but I watched I saw a video on Twitter of a guy trying to jump out of a window of a moving bus and a couple of guys on the bus tried to keep him in and they're yelling at the bus driver to stop and they're trying to pull the guy back in. He's clearly having a mental health episode. Um, he was raging and he tried to spit on the people who were trying to save him from jumping out of the bus. And, um, somebody shared it and said, New York is nuts or something like that. And, uh, a lot of people in the thread said it's, uh, this is a mental health issue and we are in a mental health crisis and, um, you need to start looking at these things for what they are. And I mean, in a situation like that, where you're trying to keep someone from jumping out of a window, like i I think that's the nine one one you know situation, don't you think
3: absolutely yeah no you're you're right and you're you know they, they 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 end up um you know having this guy respond to them negatively but in in a lot of ways it's possible they saved his life
0: hmm it's oh god, that just seems so scary uh, both of those so okay, look at these two situations right the, the one with the uh the 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 older uh, kid, the uh, 24-year-old that's yeah. really big. Austin. You know, yeah. what I was really more concerned about is I felt like the lady who was Tanya, yeah. she wasn't protecting him and because he wasn't doing anything bad. And he could have been a, a, a parent of one of these kids and all of that. So I felt like, the again, I don't yeah. understand. I know you gave the explanation. She's from Australia. I don't. It, that doesn't make no but it, i just think it's, it's the way illogical y- for me. yeah but,
1: everyone doesn't think like us no, I, get sadly. It, I get it we've been covering but, terrible things for too long
0: <laughs> it's true and i'm a cynic but uh <laughs> this this gentleman trying to get off the uh, off the train off the bus through the window that is uh it's tragic even even if you pull him in because it still hasn't it has saved him from himself but it hasn't addressed his major issue and then... We as a society have to be a part of that and help uh, be a part of helping him, so that he doesn't have these situations occur to him. Uh, unless we got a little less than a minute,
2: okay? Yeah, I just I just was going to come back to something Darren had said before, uh, just that you know we we're talking about these instances when they've gotten to the point of crisis, or you know somebody experiencing these symptoms that are distressing to us, and you know if we can back up, like it's it's way more likely that we're going to have a colleague experiencing depression. It's way more likely that somebody's going to be struggling with anxiety or suicidal ideation or, you know, these kind of things. And so, if we have a support system around us that that keeps people from getting to the point where they have nobody and they're on the train and they or they have nobody to call and they're trying to, you know, get off a bus like this is this is already to the point of a crisis in some of these situations and if we can if we can you know have a support system involved much earlier in people that we're familiar with then uh, i think that might be a good place to begin
0: when we come back i want to talk about in the last segment of potential solutions for this and and how we can uh, move forward you're listening to voices of reason Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason, and uh, today we are speaking about mental health in our society and, and how we can become a better society by helping those people who have mental health, health issues and see it as as a, a public health matter rather than uh,
1: a private thing. Pri- a, a private, private thing, and, and yeah. then
0: sometimes we we wait till the crisis happens and then we in- involve the wrong kinds of things. Because we waited too long and we haven't done preventative measures like you would do going to your doctor. You know, you you should have a mental health checkup the same way you have a physical checkup. So uh, speaking today with uh, Professor Justin Lee, he's an associate professor of uh, social work at Weber State University, as well as uh, Darren Carver. He's the associate clinical director at uh, Weber Human Services. And uh, just kind of to this point... And I want to start with you, Darren. Are, are we going in the direction? It, and it seems so that with you talked about the potential uh, the nine eight eight system coming on uh, in mid next year to help with mental health services and uh, you know some of the other national resources like eight hundred two three seven talk. How are we moving forward with maybe seeing mental health as uh, part of the overall uh, health system?
3: Uh, you know, I think those two pieces that you talked about, our response to crisis situations, we're definitely moving in the right direction with understanding mobile crisis outreach teams. These are mental health professionals who co-respond with law enforcement and really lead the the intervention and get people to the right setting for, based on the mental health crisis they're, they're addressing. Uh, the flip side of that coin that you're talking about is We're doing a lot of talking now about uh, physical health and mental health integration, but we are far from it. And uh, we're working currently to um, insert a, a mental health therapist into a pediatric clinic. So the pediatricians are screening for behavioral health problems just the way they might screen for other physical health or developmental challenges for children who are coming into the pediatric clinic. And so we're, I, I think we're talking about it. There are some steps in that way. But, no, I think we're far from seeing behavioral health and physical health on equal terms. Yeah, we're just not there.
1: Will yeah. Do you think it will ever – Justin, do you think it will ever be not optional, you know, that mental health will be part of just health care? We'll just think of it as, you know, we do other physical well, –
2: the, I mean there are – there have been steps that have moved us in the right direction and one is just being able to talk openly about it and being able to ask, ask somebody how they're doing in the same way. My, my daughter broke her leg about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. and there are people there to help immediately take her to the emergency room. Like there are people responding. And so like reducing a stigma – around, you know, these experiences and being able to respond, I think would be great. Like, people yeah, does it give you heartburn a-
1: when you see these high profile like athletes that are saying, I'm having a mental health crisis, I don't want to participate in this event um, that people are c- publicly critical? Does that give you heartburn?
2: Well, I think I mean, I think the fact that people are willing to talk about it takes a takes a whole lot of courage because it's not super mainstream at this point, but it's getting it's getting there. Uh, and we see. We're seeing sort of the statistics and the trends of, of um, people that experience depression or anxiety, for instance. The numbers are creeping up, and it's not likely that there are a whole lot more depressed people or anxious people. It's that people are willing to talk about it or seek some help or talk about it to, with their primary
0: care physician, I know. for instance. but when, when we were growing up, we used to call these people crazy, right? So right away, that's a stigma. And, and we didn't – at the time, I, again, we just, we just weren't in, evolved and, and I'm, I would say it was wrong then and it's wrong now to, to take mm-hmm. that point of view because we know that mental illness is real. And these people are – they need help the same way, like you said, uh, your daughter did And, and I, when I uh, tore my Achilles tendon. I don't need people criticizing me for or, or saying – Playing basketball at your well, age. Right. It might, <laughs> you shouldn't be playing racquetball because that's how I did it, right? So uh, – and, and, but as a kid, you know, she should be playing. Sometimes the accidents happen. I, well, I, we, we just have to change our attitudes
3: and, and I agree, I think too We've got to be careful about And I see this happening As we talk more and more about Mental illness um, and, and and mental health problems we, we tend to lump it all Into the same mm-hmm. category um, Anxiety is, is a normal experience For most people You're going to feel anxious or worried Sometimes it, it the question is when does it reach a level where it's becoming debilitating it's interfering with my ability to function and you know i i see us i've been seeing billboards come up and and you may have seen them too and and i think they're well intended but uh, these billboards will say this is suicide prevention and it will show you know somebody with their arm around another person or talking to that person um, and, and that's great. And we do want to show compassion and do that. But anyone who's lost a loved one to suicide sees that same billboard and thinks, gosh, I just probably didn't love that person enough. Mm-hmm. And that's suicide is a complex issue. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's by the, the mental illnesses that we're talking about are biologically driven. And we do need to see this uh, in the same way we see physical health problems. But we've got to talk about it in the right way as well.
0: Can you, uh, Darren, uh, expound on that a little bit? You say it's a a biological problem.
3: Yeah, we understand that physiologically something is happening. The brain is the most complex organ in the body. We are just barely coming to understand better how the brain um, relates what's happening from a, a biological standpoint, a chemical standpoint in mental illness. Some of the medicines that we use we're not even 100% sure how they work. We know they have a, an effect, but um, we just need to see this again as not a matter of willpower or just mm-hmm. being strong. Um mental illness is uh, not about that. It's much deeper problem associated with what's happening inside the body.
2: And it's and it's not a like a moral failing either. Yeah. And I think a lot of people see see it that way or or you know, they recognize they recognize some of these symptoms uh, that maybe aren't mental health related and and finding a way to distinguish between like when is this, when is it a more serious problem? But yeah. your doctor, you wouldn't find it strange for your doctor to say, you know, how are things going at home or like how are things going? You know, if you
1: at your job. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'd love to see. We actually interviewed somebody on the podcast years ago about having a clinic in there building Mm -hmm. and it was like you know to deal with the time it takes to go to the doctor and you wouldn't lose work time because you could go down to the clinic and one of the things i was really impressed with was when they added the mental health component our our company said you could go to get mental health help for three sessions which doesn't seem like a lot but i will tell you that when i was covering covid and writing about people who were dying and and, then the race issues every single day i ended up having to go in and i used the three sessions and i uh, extended after that, you know, went through our insurance, but I, uh, I, you know, it, it saved me from really spiraling because I probably would have just said, like, oh, I don't have time to find a counselor and, you know, the program was very uh, designed to get you into um, and out of crisis, into the system and out of crisis and I just don't know what we could do more of other than educating ourselves, understanding that there's not, you know, one standard of behavior and then really I think memorizing these numbers that Darren gave at the beginning of the show, and and I am very interested in that mental health first aid class, because I think it is, we aren't just talking about it, like, I do think there's some aspect of this that is more prevalent, and so I think we need to be more educated so that we don't make a situation worse, whether we call the police or we handle it poorly.
0: Well, uh, unfortunately, we, we kind of run out of time on this, but I want to say uh, thank you uh to Darren and to Justin uh, for offering great insights and giving us—you gave me some hope—and I. And I'm just, just remember
1: those numbers: one eight hundred two seven three talk and nine eight eight, which will be up mid-year next year. You said, just uh, Darren.
3: Yes, Sorry. July of twenty twenty-two. Well, looking forward to that because
0: that that would have helped me uh, <laughs> greatly uh, on my train ride in. Join us again for the next episode of the Loud my Project. Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonly1. Our show's Twitter handle is at podcast. You can check out our Facebook page and also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on any of the places where you might find interesting content, Google Podcasts or Apple and other places like that. Uh, Be sure to review our show as well, and we'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.